I had been fighting to stay awake during my graveyard shift at Merriweather Manor but, the shock of seeing the young blonde woman come in the entry hall had me at full attention. My heart pounded. I thought I had locked that door. Looking down to the springy wrist bracelet that had the keys on them. No. I know I locked it. We were not taking in guests this week because a wedding party booked the property. I had been going over the vendor invoices and balancing the books. Graveyard was the best time for me get these things finished. I asked if I could help her and without even looking up, in a barely audible voice she asked to use the restroom. I tell her sure and point out the way down the hall to the double doors that opened into another hallway where the restrooms were. She shuffled off. Other side of those doors, doll. I call after her. I stood there watching her walk down the hall and disappear behind the heavy doors. They swung gently back and forth a moment after she passed and I could see her go into the ladies. My mind was racing. I went to the front door to check that lock. I know I locked it. I hurried across the lobby but, I heard the television turn on again for what felt like the 50th time that night. I stopped and went into the lounge, picked up the remote and there Robert Stack was up there again telling us all about someone missing from somewhere 20 years ago. I turned it off then walked over to the wall and unplugged the set. It was too late for this garbage. I went back behind the desk and wrote Madge another note reminding her to sign off on the electrician's invoice and to call the cable company about the remote boxes acting up then put it on her desk in her closet of an office. At last, she emerged. I tried to look natural by sweeping the floor. Her face streaked with tears looking as if she may begin again with the slightest provocation. I handed her tissues as she asked for a guest by their last name I tell her we are not booking guests this week. We have rented out the manor for a wedding party that begins arriving this Friday. She went on to say she remembered that her family was going to be staying here in the area. I said there were another set of hotels a few miles down the freeway that perhaps when she drove up, she just took the wrong exit. Can you call them to find out where they are? I don't have a car was her reply. Do you mean it broke down? She muttered under her breath shaking her head no. I handed her more tissues and asked what happened to you? She said that by her ride left her at the strip mall a mile up the road around 10 o'clock while she was shopping. Her purse was in the car but, she had her phone and wallet. It was now after 3 a.m. It was so cold out, and the wind was brutal. How did she even make it to me without frostbite? It was 20 degrees and sleeting. The old hoodie she was wearing was not winter wear at all. I was filled with questions. She asked to use my phone because hers was not working right. It has to broken. Nobody is answering. I don't understand. She cried. Stifling my questions I handed to her. She took it then went to sit down on the love seat in the parlor. I could hear her tapping away. It wasn't weird someone getting lost or turned around looking for the Super 6 or the restaurants. We relocated off the highway and right off the service road about 1,000 yards down. Unless you saw the signage and lights as you approached or knew where you were going. You would miss the turn. Merriweather Manor had been built by silver mining tycoon Edward Merriweather in 1860 as a wedding gift for his young bride Marjorie. The enormous Gothic revival became a landmark for its one-of-a-kind wood carvings and stained glass windows. There weren't many vagrants that frequented the area. I had become comfortable with them the few that were around sometimes allowing them the free coffee but, politely asking them to make their way back out when they got their warm-up or used the bathroom. This girl was too clean, too wide-eyed, too something to be on the street. I tried so hard not to stare but, she was just so familiar, 
and it was driving me nuts because I could not nail it down in my head where I had seen her before, if I had seen her before or if it was her demeanor that was familiar. It was maddening. Thinking it may comfort her I made a hot cup of coffee and threw in a large shot of the brandy the owner Madge kept under the front desk. I then grabbed my shawl and walked it over and dropping the wrap across her shoulders bent over the open phone screens. I placed the coffee on the table in front of her. I put brandy in it I tell her. She looked up at me with a weak smile. Thank you. I motioned that I was locking the front doors and whispered, just relax. I had finished running the reports and was just settling into my chair with a hot cup of tea in my book. I looked over to the girl, and at that moment she sat bolt upright as if what she saw shocked her. She quickly came right around my desk and sat down in the corner near me on the floor. I looked up at the CCTV feed, there was nothing out there. What is it? What did you see? Her haunted eyes burning into mine without response made me start to feel unsettled. I told her to sit in my chair, and I would go and look out front. Grabbing Madge's cricket bat, I walked through the entry hall and peered out one of the many stained glass windows that lined the first floor. Who in the hell would be out there in this anyway? I think. I pull on my coat and hat and slip on my boots. I looked back at her and said, I need a smoke anyway watch the cameras for me alright? She peeked over the top of the desk as if she were a child. All I could see were her eyes and fingers. She said nothing. This was becoming annoying. The lack of responses and the ones I got only bred more questions that I dared not ask. I went into the vestibule and shivered. I fished out my pack of smokes and lit it up before going out onto the porch. The wind had died down thankfully as I scanned the area but, it was bitter cold. I couldn't let that waif of a girl back out in this. I put my smoke out when I felt satisfied there were no interlopers after her. I rejoined her behind the desk and after a few minutes of her quiet sobbing I told her, I have a room here. You can stay there tonight. She looked relieved. I need your name for the book. Hoping the lure of a warm bed would loosen her tongue. Sarah. She croaked. I am Sarah Kirk. She handed me her ID. Sarah Kirk in what appeared to be clearly happier days smiled back at me from her expired by five years, beat up, out of state issued identification. You are from Minnesota? She nodded. How on earth did you get left behind without a coat? No answer, the tears welling up. I make copies of the info I need and file it all away. Taking my key from my mailbox I say. Come on and let's get you to bed girl. I grabbed her a courtesy bag that had toiletries in it and walked her up the stairs to the wing that once housed the servants' quarters. It was remodeled in 1935 into mini apartments and then again in 1990 to update and add modern amenities. Madge ran the hotel on a skeleton crew this time of year they sat vacant. It would soon be filled with the staff for the reopening in May. Coming up the hallway I could hear the television on in my room. This room has been mine since I began working here in high school. I use it more than I care to admit lately. I open the door and let her in first. Well, you may use what you like, and there is food in the fridge, fresh linens. And opening the wardrobe if anything fits motioning to abandoned clothing left over the years be my guest. I walk over to the TV and notice Robert again. Was there a marathon on? I wonder. There is something up with the cable. I think the remote boxes are on the fritz. She sits on the bed staring ahead to the TV. Tears are streaking her face. It becomes too much for me to bear. I turn it off. Try to get some rest. I can drive you back in the morning. 
It is too dangerous out there tonight. I am at extension zero if you need anything. I get off at seven, shall I come and wake you up then? She nods yes. I am exasperated and relieved at the same time. I bid her good night and head back down to my desk. I kept my eyes on the CCTV feed and continue to listen to the wind that has picked back up. I lost the fight to stay awake, and when I opened my eyes, it was to the noise of the kitchen staff arriving to begin preparations for the reception. I wave and smile as they make fun of me for dozing. The sun is starting to break over the lake. The late winter storm we got last night gave way to a stunning sunrise. I poured my coffee and got my gear on and went out to watch it. I was feeling hopeful, it had been rough this year for me. My husband was killed in a freak accident during a commercial shoot, and my daughter had just graduated from college and already had a job taking her to Montana. I was alone for the first time in almost 35 years. I was terrified. I go into the kitchen to tell Molly about my night and of the enigma that was the girl named Sarah. Her eyes bulging as I told her. You let her stay in your own room? She asked incredulously. I'm about to wake her up and take her on to wherever she came from. It should be interesting. I am so curious. Molly smiled and says, be careful. You don't want to wake up in a bathtub filled with ice. I roll my eyes and tell her you need to stop reading those tabloids. They make you paranoid. did I sing song. The sunshine is pouring into the lobby, walking into the rays and feeling their warmth before continuing up to my room. I knock gently saying good morning as I open the door. I look at the bed the shawl is there, but she isn't. I see the bathroom door is closed so I say, as I knock good morning. Louder have you heard from anyone yet? I did not get any calls or texts on my phone. I notice the bathroom light is off and I open the door to a dark room. Where the fuck? As I look around. She is gone. I can't remember seeing her leave. Which was entirely possible considering the weirdness of the whole night. I did doze off for a bit but, she couldn't get out without waking me up. Could she? I flew down to the office to look at the cameras, I scan the last three hours and see nothing, I go back farther and see myself walking towards my room. That is when every hair stood up on my whole body. I did not see Sarah. I see myself opening the door and pausing for what had to be the moment she entered the room. I go back to the start of my shift. I see myself coming down from my room, I see myself doing all the work I do, and then I see myself reacting, and moving and doing things, to the air. I felt my stomach drop and my throat clamp shut. This can't be. I walk over to the Xerox machine and there are no copies in the tray of her ID. I run out to the lobby, and her coffee cup was still there untouched. I feel dizzy at this point and brace myself against the wingback she was sitting in. At least the one I thought I saw her sit in. This was when I noticed the chair is wet. I feel it, and it is soaked through to the padding underneath. I rip the cushion off, see her ID beneath. I sit down on the floor, hard then closed my eyes and try to get my equilibrium back. I am so relieved that I found hard evidence of her presence. I am not crazy, I am not mad, I am not insane. Chanting to myself. My best friend, Tori had been saying for months that my isolating behavior and strong desire to drink again was going to make me crazy. I wondered if she was right and if it happened. I clutched the ID. Looked at it again, felt it cut into my flesh as I clamped on it tighter. It is real, she was here. I say to myself. I could not account for the video camera. My image was crystal clear. I look insane interacting with the empty air. 
not knowing how to deal with this. I did the best I could by getting up off the floor. Emily greeting me with a superfluous good morning. As she arrived for her shift. Happily chattering as she clocks and she asked how my shift went. I said fine and went straight to my room making sure to double bolt the door behind me. I flopped on the bed. The damp shawl under my hand. It was fresh as a daisy when I wrapped her in it and now, it reeked like mildew and rot. It was nauseating. What is that stain? I whined more out of not knowing what it was and the fact it was my best shawl. Staring at the dark spot in the middle of the garment. The television flipped on again and the theme song for Unsolved Mysteries came lilting out. I unplugged the television. I changed my clothes and put on a fresh set of PJs. Only after stripping the bed was I able to relax enough to fall asleep in the chaise lounge by the television. Come back next week to see what is in store. On behind the desk, Tales of the Night Clerk.